Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 394 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not really asked you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. One thing that we know about life is life continues to go. And with life going, things change. People advance. Modern technology improves. That is the concept of life. Life continues so that improvements can be made. And sports is exactly like life. If you look at the NFL, 20 years ago, compared to now, it's drastically different. People are different. Players are stronger, faster, better. Technology is better. So when we're talking about injuries, people recover from injuries better, better, faster. Basketball. The 1990s look much different. At least players look much different than they do now. Sports, just like life continues and improves on itself. That's one thing about life that people don't talk about. If you continue with life, or if you look, life and current situations are going to force you to have to change, or you're going to get left behind. Because at the end of the day, nothing about this world is the same as it was in the 80s or 70s. Nick Saban retires from football. He retired as the Alabama head coach. He was coaching them, I believe, for 17 years. He's also coached a bunch of different places, but he's won seven national championships. I think six with Alabama, one with LSU. Nick Saban will go down as one of not only the greatest college football coaches, but one of the greatest coaches in sports history. I started this episode talking about change. I started this episode talking about how life improves on itself as it continues to go. Nick Saban is the pure definition of if you want to maintain greatness, you're going to have to improve on the product. Doesn't mean you have to necessarily change the format, change the base, but you do have to improve on the product. We talk about players a lot. And the saying is sports keeps going. When we say sports keeps going, usually that's for lack of a better term, a negative connotation, because usually when that statement is made, we're talking about a player that maybe thinks he's bigger than a sport. We're talking about a player that maybe thinks he 
is more important than a team. And the statement usually after that is sports keeps going. But when I hear that statement, yes, it is a true statement. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's something different. And I hear something completely different. I don't hear it in such a negative way. What I hear is sports continues to evolve. Again, we talked about it in the beginning. Players are better. Equipment's better. People are faster, stronger, more skilled. And on top of all that, we, t- we coaches have If you don't want to get left behind in the in life, in the in the world, in sports, you're going to have to evolve. I'm sure the Nick Saban that was the head coach of the Michigan State Spartans back in 1995 to 1999 is drastically different than the Alabama coach, the one that won six national championships, or the LSU coach. Hell, I'm sure the LSU LSU Nick Saban is drastically different than the Nick Saban that coached Alabama. You see, six, seven championships – does that to you. That's that's a way that you can you can tell if somebody has evolved or not. Outside of longevity, what have you done in that span? Nick Saban is, I think, the one of, if not the winningest coach in college football history. You see, you hear a lot of some, when you, when you talk about great coaches, you hear a lot of similar traits. Doesn't really tolerate much, much disorder. Very detailed. Very. Most of his players would run through a wall for them. There are traits that most winning coaches, especially coaches that have won multiple times, have. And a lot of that stems from the success of Nick Saban. College football will never be the same without Nick Saban. I'm not saying that it's over. I'm obviously not saying that it's going to completely stop. I'm not saying that there aren't good coaches in in college football. But what I'm saying is the 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 retirement of Nick Saban is the end of an era. And that kind of brings me to why Nick Saban is retiring now. All we've heard for the last few years now is how much of a dire situation college football is in and how college football is a mess. You hear that a lot. College football is a mess. What does that mean?
I will first say that I am, and I've and I've been like this for a while. Obviously, I've said it on this podcast. I've said it off the podcast. I've said it on other people's podcasts. I am all for NIL. I am all for players getting paid for their services. If you can pay professionals and you can pay people that bring revenue to your company or your or your team, they should be able to get some of the profit because they are bringing you money. So I am all for the NIL and players getting paid what they deserve, but I'm also I also understand that it needs to be regulated the right way. And I don't know if it is. Hell, we just saw Florida State get in trouble for recruiting players with NIL deals or NIL deal promises. And on top of NIL, you have the transfer portal. We talked about that a couple episodes ago when we were talking about how the transfer portal and when the transfer portal opens affects bowl season. One thing that doesn't get discussed a lot when we talk about life and movement and sports continuing and sports growing is we all players have to grow with it, but so do coaches. And there are some coaches that are tired. And there are some coaches that see what's going on. And may just not have the energy to do it anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. You look, college football, coaching in general, is a young person's game. And when I, what I mean by that is coaching takes a lot. Now, obviously, I'm not a coach. <laughs> I, 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 let, me, let me be personal for a second. I've never, I don't, they're one of the people ask me why I don't coach. You know, I play basketball. I played basketball probably since I was five. I played high school, middle school, college. I played, I, I play almost every week at, at my job. And people ask, Jalen, why you don't coach? You know, you have a podcast. You know a lot about basketball. Um, why don't you teach the youth what you know? Because you know what they say, people that don't do coach. <laughs> and it's simple for me. Not only do I not have the time, but I don't have the patience. I don't have the patience to deal with me teaching you something, me telling you what to do, and you going out and not just not executing, but not doing what I say. I will bench you. That's me. Because I, I just, I know, especially at a, at a lower level, I know what it takes to win. And I don't, I don't have the patience for that. I don't have the patience for trash. 
and you need patience as a coach. I don't have the amount of patience that you need. I don't have the patience to deal with moms and dads talking about why didn't you play my son? Bro, did you not see your son airball twice? Did you not see your son hit the side of the rim? I don't or the side of the backboard. I don't I don't have that type of patience, which is why I'm not a coach. Imagine dealing with that. Imagine dealing with that to a whole nother degree. You have to deal with kids that, first of all, recruiting. When we talk about college coaches, first of all, recruiting. You have to go to people's houses and go to and have conversations with people almost year round to try to get them to come to your school. Then when you get them to come to your school, some people have good intentions, some people don't. Some, most people have that dream and the aspiration to make it further than college, whether that's the NFL, whether that's the NBA, whether that's MLB. They may, they want to go professional. So you have sometimes you have to you have to be honest with some people like, yo, I don't I don't know if that's for you. And some people can't take honesty well. Then you have NIL, which now some players, and, and, and again, we're talking about Nick Saban, who has been a head coach probably since 1990. But he's been in the coaching realm since 1973. So you have Nick Saban, who is all about team and all about structure. But you have kids these days that not all of them obviously but a lot of them only care about how much money I'm going to make and how I'm going to get to the next level so it takes away the 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 feel of the game the formula of the game college football is a mess right now because they don't have a leader. They don't have a president. They don't have a commissioner like Adam Silver, like Roger Goodell. College football doesn't have that. College sports, I don't think, has that. Now, every conference has a president, I believe, but they don't have a governing body. So it's like a crapshoot. Which is why you see high-level athletes just completely skip out on bowl games because they want to go to a trans. Oh, they put themselves in the transfer portal, or you have athletes saying, "Where am I going to make the most NIL deals?" So NIL deals are now shaping recruiting and now shaping which school you go to and how much playing time you get. You see, I do understand the the benefits of NIL, but I also understand the issues that it could cause players and issues that it could cause coaches and could cause programs. I see that. Don't you think Nick Saban sees that? And he's in the and he was in the crux of it. And I Nick Saban was very vocal on the his dis dis his disdain for NIL not because he doesn't feel these players should should get paid 
but he understood what it can do to a program. And now when you look at college sport or college football, it's a mess. And like we've always said, or like we just said in this episode, sometimes you're, you just don't want to do it. Sometimes you just you see the light at the tunnel or you see the light at the end, and it's not exactly what you want it to be. So you just get off the train. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nick Saban will go down as one of, if not the greatest coaches in not just college sports or college his, college football history, but in sports history. Because not only was he a winner, that speaks for itself, but he was adaptable. He was able to adapt and he was able to not just adapt, but he was able to not just go with the times, but dominate in his era, dominate in his time and continue to continue to get to the mountaintop. Mind you, I know we talk about Michigan winning the national championship, Alabama was a play away from possibly going to the national championship. And just and this season embodies Nick Saban to the fullest. There was a lot of question marks going in. Jalen Melrose did not play well. You bench him. You realize, oh, we don't have any quarterback, really. <laughs> you put Jalen Melrose back in. And you just see the maturation and the improvement of the team the entire season to the point where you beat Georgia, the number one team in the nation. Then you go and you're a play away from possibly beating Michigan to make it to a national championship. A rise of greatness. That is what we've seen from Nick Saban. And that is that's why... Nobody is like, damn, Nick Saban, like, why? This was the perfect, t- I mean, this, what were we talking about? It was time. And even with a loss, which is unfortunate, because even with Coach K, I'm a big North Carolina fan, we know this, but when you're at, when you're someone as high as a Nick Saban, as high as a Coach K, you don't want their legacy, you don't want their career to end in a loss. But I do know that even with that loss, Nick Saban and Coach K, but Nick Saban's legacy is cemented as one of the greatest coaches of all time. So congratulate, and I do appreciate him leaving on his own terms. That's. When, you, when you've built a legacy, when you built a resume as extensive and as pristine as Nick Saban, you'd hope that you can leave on your own accord. And that's what he's done. So shouts out for Nick. Shouts out to Nick Saban. And shouts out for an incredibly successful career. That was 
the first biggest news that happened the other day. The next one was Bill Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick, which we've kind of we've kind of seen this coming. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have mutually parted ways. Now, as much credit as I give Nick Saban for his adaptability, as much credit as I give Nick Saban for being able to grow with the times, that I think is the biggest hindrance to Bill Belichick. Let me get the love all first. Like Nick Saban, Bill Belichick is arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. Not just in football. Or not just in the respective sport that he's in, but in history. The man took a, a organization that was not known for anything. That wasn't known for any type of winning and built a dynasty out of it. Now, yes, for for all the people that this Brady, I understand. Brady was a huge part of that. Yes. I will I'm not going to <laughs> discredit Tom Brady's contributions to the S- S- Super Bowl or to the dynasty that was the Patriots. But you do need an architect. You do need someone to build. Tom Brady was an important piece, an important cog. But Bill Belichick was the machine. So Bill Belichick, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He has eight Super Bowls, two as a defensive coordinator, I believe, for the Giants with Bill Parcells and six as a head coach for the New England Patriots. Now, yes, there are two different feelings when we hear Nick Saban retires and Bill Belichick pretty much out as the Pittsburgh, or why do I keep saying Pittsburgh Steelers? As the New England Patriots head coach. One obviously is done coaching for right now because we know retirements aren't always cemented. Looking at you, Urban Myers. But one is obviously retiring, one is continuing coaching or says he wants to continue coaching, just we'll see where. Just not in New England, obviously. But another reason why there's a different feeling is how, for lack of a better term, how both of these entities, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, how they both aged. We praised Nick Saban for his adaptability and his willingness to 
change and improve with the times. I think Bill Belichick's biggest issue and his only issue is he never adapted with the time. He kept looking back instead of looking forward. He kept looking back at, okay, how was I successful here? How was I successful there? And kept trying to duplicate that. And it gets to a point where duplication doesn't work. Duplication can work for a certain amount of time, but there has to be a lot of pieces to go into place when we're talking about successful duplication. And they weren't falling into place for Bill Belichick. He tried to draft the same way. He tried to get the same type of players in free agency. He traded off the same type of players. You see, that works when it works. I'm not here crapping on Bill Belichick. Do not hear me say Bill Belichick is trash. I'm not saying that. But when you're in the crux of it, when your team is leaps and bounds, not only the best defense in football with Teddy Bruschi, with Ty Law, with McCordy. When you have the best defense and you also have the greatest quarterback in NFL history, then a lot of those moves that you make will work, can work. And a lot of those moves you make, even if they don't work, you have you have a defense to lean on. You have a, a, a quarterback to lean on. Well, what happens when your defense fizzles out? And the players that you leaned on for as much, they're gone. And you don't have the Tom Brady, the Tom Brady security blanket. Then a lot of those mistakes that you made with them get amplified and get magnified because you don't have that security blanket to lean on. You don't have the goat of of quarterbacks and a solid defense on top of that you have a very weak division again this is not me saying let me say this is not me discrediting bill belichick this is me saying bill belichick is a cautionary tale for some for, for for certain instances bill belichick is the perfect example of what happens when you do not adjust with time what happens if you are rigid too rigid because i'm sure nick saban is rigid in a lot of areas there are things that winners need to have winning organizations winning programs need to have in that instance i'm sure nick saban is rigid and didn't want to change a lot of those aspects but there are some things that need to change. The way you, the way that you draft needs to change. The way that you handle players need to change. The way that you approach the draft needs to change. The way that you build a team needs to change. And for Nick Saban, that changed. 
And we saw it because we saw continuous growth. We even saw the last season. Again, they were a play away for possibly beating Michigan, the team that won the national championship. What did the Patriots look like this year? Or last year? Or the year before? Bill Belichick's legacy is still cemented. He's still, again, one of, if not the greatest coach in modern sports history. For damn sure, the greatest coach in football history. But the endings look different. And the endings look different because one, Nick Saban, was open to change. The other, Bill Belichick was rigid to change and kept looking back on how we can duplicate that success instead of looking forward and saying, how can we change? How can we grow? And you want a perfect example of that. Look at the draft picks that he, that, that Bill Belichick has drafted since Tom Brady left. And, and, and ask yourself, how many of them hit? On top of that, look at some of the people that have been in and out the organization. Especially the people that are that been in and now are gone and see what they're doing. Like Jacoby Myers. How, how Jacoby Myers is playing in, in uh, Vegas right now. Compared to Juju Smith-Schuster, how he's playing in New England. Or Nikhil Harry, very high draft pick. What's Nikhil Harry doing right now? Or Mac Jones. How's Mac Jones been? You see... Life is going to life. (laughs) Sports are going to keep going with or without people. And it doesn't matter how great you've been. The only time how great you've been matters is when we talk about the history books or when we look in the past. Again, don't I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like hate, but it's not. Bill Belichick is one of, I mean, listen to this. Listen to this, man. Eight time Super Bowl winner. Three time AP coach of the year. He's on the two thousands all decade team, two thousand tens all decade team, NFL one hundred anniversary all all time team. He's on the New England Patriots all 2000s team, New England Patriots 50th anniversary team, New England Patriots all 2010s team, New England Patriots all dynasty team. And he's a Maxwell Club NFL coach of the year. And he won executive of the year in 2021. So I'm not saying Bill Belichick is trash. (laughs) 
That would be blasphemous. But what I am saying is, as great as Bill Belichick has been, and the, with, the, with the resume that Bill Belichick has, he still is a very cautionary tale. And that is, if you, if you are late to adjust, let me say this. Adjustment period has windows. And if there are times when you can miss that window and it seemed like Bill Belichick continued to build on the old without having the same pieces instead of Adapting to the new. Not saying you have to completely change. But you have to improve. And. Bill struggled with that. Mightily. So I I do think that he is one of. The premier obviously candidates. For a new for one of the head because there's multiple head coaching positions that are or head coaching vacancies right now I do think that he is uh he is a prime candidate for a few of them from pros pretty much all of them he's Bill Belichick but I will say this I do hope that he's learned something from his last few years as the head coach and GM of the New England Patriots. And I hope that is you have to adapt because it don't matter where you go. You can go to Washington. You can go to Carolina. You can go to the Chargers. It don't matter where you go. If you don't change, if you don't adapt, The same, there ain't no Tom Brady's anywhere. (laughs) Obviously, the best quarterback out of all the vacancies right now is more than likely uh, Justin Herbert. But if you don't change that, Justin Herbert ain't Tom Brady. And that Chargers team ain't the Patriots, the, the Dynasty Patriots. So I'm interested to see where he goes next. Oh, and I do want to talk about they did hire so the Patriots did hire Gerard Mayo. And I, and in in one hand I'm excited. I'm happy that obviously African American got a opportunity for a head coaching position uh, cuz obviously that doesn't come around a lot and I I wish nothing but the best for Gerard Mayo. Uh he was he won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. He was their defensive backs coach, I believe, or linebackers coach or something like that. So in that sense, you know, I'm I'm excited and I'm 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 happy for Gerard Mayo. I think it was well deserved and I think that if you were going to have anyone be Bill Belichick's successor, I would hope that Gerard Mayo 
because a lot of people in the organization are saying that he has a lot of Bill Belichick in him. But that's kind of where the other hand comes in. The other hand is like, all right, you got rid of Bill Belichick. Cool. Which means that you're ready for your organization to go into a different direction. I would hope that, which is, I would hope that you would, I don't know, maybe look outward. Maybe look for an offensive-minded coach. Maybe look for a younger coach, which Gerard Mayo is younger, don't get me wrong, but more offensively sound coach, you know? That's why I was... I was screaming to the top of my lungs. I hope that Mike Vrabel doesn't go to New England Patriots. I know Mike Vrabel is an incredible coach. Don't get me wrong, but again, you want you don't want you want an, a new regime, you know. And again, I'm not crapping on Gerard Mayo. I'm excited and happy for Gerard Mayo, but I just thought, okay, if you're gonna let Bill Belichick go, that means you you want your organization to go into a different direction. You don't then. Hire someone that's just like Bill Belichick or been under the Bill Belichick tree so that you get a lot of the same. I hope Gerard Mayo's differently, obviously, or different, obviously, but we'll have to see, you know. But shouts out to Bill Belichick for his incredible tenure with the New England Patriots. And shouts out to Gerard Mayo for now, I guess, starting anew with the New England Patriots, and hopefully that's a successful tenured there. We had another coach that, you know, it's funny because we're going to talk about this is pretty much the coach, <laughs> the coach episode. But it's funny how differently all three of these moves feel. That is Nick Saban retiring, Bill Belichick out with the New England Patriots and Pete Carroll out with the Seahawks. All of these moves feel drastically different. And all of them can teach you something. And that's one thing about life. We talk, we've been talking about how things are changing, how times are changing. We've been talking about how evolve, evolving works. But there are things in life that are paramount and are concrete that stay the same. And, and one thing is there are lessons in everything, good, bad, and there are lessons in everything. What I told you about Nick Saban is the lesson is sometimes you know when it's done. Sometimes you know when it's over. You've, you can only adapt for so long. Sometimes you want to get off the train. And Nick Saban did that. Then that's the lesson with Bill Belichick is don't be too rigid. Don't be too slow to change. Because trust me, being slow will catch up to you. And that's what happened with Bill Belichick. With Pete Carroll, this is a little different. Now, when we think about coach pantheons and we think about greatness in the coaching position, of course, we think about Nick Saban. Of course, we think about Bill Belichick. We think about all that. But one person that gets left out. Now, obviously, his resume is not as extensive 
as a Bill Belichick or a Nick Saban. But one p- p- coach that usually gets left out when we talk about great coaches in the history of sports is Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion, all or NFL 2010's all-decade team. He won a national championship. He won two AP poll national. He's two-time AP poll national champion, two-time Rose Bowl champion, two-time Orange Bowl champion, seven-time, I'm sorry, four-time Rose Bowl champion, two-time Orange Bowl champion, seven-time Pac-12 champion. And he won Coach of the Year. Home Depot Coach of the Year and AFCA Coach of the Year, both in 2003. Nick Saban was, I mean, not Nick Saban, I'm sorry. Pete Carroll was the architect to those great USC teams, those Matt Liner, um, Reggie Bush teams, Troy Palomalu, I believe, those teams. He was the architect. From 2001 to 2009, USC was different. Like, different. And it was mainly because of him. And even in Seattle, he brought a lot of that grit, a lot of that charisma, a lot of that energy, a lot of that winning formula to Seattle and help build the Legion of Boom, help develop a Russell Wilson. Of course, you had Marshawn Lynch, and they ultimately went to the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl. They went to two. And that that is where this conversation gets a little interesting. Obviously, the end goal in sports every year, the end goal for your organization, the end goal for your franchise is to win a Super Bowl or win an NBA Finals, or win a World Series, or win a World Cup. That's the goal. And we look at Nick Say, or we look at Pete Carroll very differently because of that second Super Bowl and how it ended and how the right thing to do was right there. You zigged when you should have zagged. We don't need to talk about the last play, but we know. Nick's or Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, the Legion of Boom, Dan Quinn, Marshall, they should be two-time Super Bowl champions. But they're not. And... <laughs> I think the issue that Pete Carroll ran into is that he was too, too much into uh, the times. That Pete Carroll kind of you know what? Now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, now that I'm sitting here talking about it, Pete Carroll zigged when he should have zagged. There's no doubt in my mind that Pete Carroll is a great coach. I I mean, again, the resume, the proof is in the pudding. 
There's no doubt in my mind that Seattle would not be a Super Bowl champion if it wasn't for Pete Carroll. There's no doubt in my mind that someone like Russell Wilson wouldn't be as critically acclaimed before obviously going to or his last two years in Denver, but I don't think Russell Wilson would be as critically acclaimed if it wasn't for the, the teachings and in the, in under the tutelage of Pete Carroll. But it seems like Pete Carroll tried to push the envelope just a little too much. He tried to speed up that improvement, or he tried to do things that haven't really seen much success. For instance, you... You can say now in hindsight that it it was a good move if you want to, but giving up on Russell Wilson for Geno Smith. And Geno Smith was great last year. Do not get me wrong. And Geno Smith has been much better than we thought he would be. But this year was more of a come to the realization of who Geno Smith really is. Like like we say, a water always finds his level. And Geo Smith is good, don't get me wrong, but he's not. I think that there was there was kind of a case with the Seattle Seahawks is Pete Carroll needed Russell Wilson the same amount as Russell Wilson needed Pete Carroll because both of them haven't seen much success without each other. Now, Pete Carroll obviously more than Russell Wilson, but it's it's relative. And you know what's funny? A lot of the endings to Pete Carroll's tenures, whether that's uh, the Patriots as a head coach, whether that's USC, whether that's the Seattle Seahawks, they've all kind of, whether that's the New York Jets in 1994, they've kind of ended the same way. Now, again, I know this sounds like hate, cause it's, but it's not. Pete Carroll is cemented in greatness. But again, you never want to be, you never want to be too fast to change. You never want to be too slow and you never want to be too rigid. And it seems like Pete Carroll was constantly too fast for change. Like, oh, brother. There, there are, there are, <laughs> we're not there yet. And I think, I will say this, I think the Seahawks, you can tell that they respect him, obviously, because they didn't say that he was fired, they said they're mutually parting ways and now they're going to make him an advisor. I get that, because Pete Carroll is still a really good coach, and the last thing that you want to do is have him go to maybe a rival, have him go to a different team and see success. Now they're looking at you like, I, especially after, you know, the last two years, which they weren't the best years, but they were better than we thought after obviously giving up Russell Wilson. But you can just tell this wasn't a mutual thing. Press conference tell you a lot. Moves after moves tell you a lot. 
Like, you can tell. Bill Belichick, you can tell. It, Bill Belichick maybe wasn't happy to go, but you can tell he wasn't, like, tripping. Like, uh, you know, the the... The light or the the candle has hit its the, the end of the wick. <laughs> it is what it is. You can tell he wasn't he wasn't upset. He wasn't tripping. Like hey, I've done what I've done. I'm going to continue coaching somewhere. Just won't be here. Pete Carroll was 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 hurt. <laughs> you can tell Pete Carroll. There wasn't no mutual about it. You can tell they fired Pete Carroll. They just tried. They just didn't want to embarrass him in the public and say, yeah, we fired you or we part ways. But you can tell Pete Carroll. Hell, he even said that he was fighting to to remain the head coach. And he still has a lot of head coaching in him. He still has a lot of energy in him at 71. The most energetic 71 year old I think I've ever seen. <laughs> So you can you can tell, and Nick Saban, he just he walked out. He walked out the door and into a a Reese Davis interview, <laughs> which is hilarious. That you knew, oh yeah, this was brewing. <laughs> That's I always find that funny, man. And this this is obviously a side note, but planned like orchestrated moves, like when Jimmy Butler did had the whole practice thing. And walked out of practice into a Rachel Nichols uh, interview. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Nick Saban said, yeah, I'm retiring. And walked right into a Reese Davis interview. And gave us like a 35, 45 minute interview. I'm like, damn, he knew it was coming. Like, this wasn't Noah. All right, I'm waking up. Oh, yeah, this is the date. No, he knew. He's like, yep, call his pen, call Reese Davis. I'm, I'm Yeah, this is happening. It's just funny. But I will say, before we move on, I will say congratulations to all three. Congratulations to Nick Saban. Congratulations to Bill Belichick. Congratulations to Pete Carroll. Both, I mean, all three pillars as far as great coaches. And if they all, if if Bill Belichick comes out and says, I'm retiring, I'm never coaching again, if, if Pete Carroll never coaches again, they will still go down as arguably the greatest coaches in sports history. So shouts out to all three of you guys. With these coaches, you know, this is a this is the time. This is a it's things are things are buzzing, sports is buzzing because we have made it to the NFL playoffs. We've made it to wild card weekend. After a long 18-week season, we are finally getting to the one-and-dones. We're finally getting to the games that matter just a little bit more. And looking at two, four, six, looking at all six wild-card weekend games, they all have intrigue. They all have – there's – as now some obviously are more lopsided than others, but – they all have storylines and they all have have intriguing takes for each one. Let's let's say that because I'm running I'm running out of adjectives. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my obviously prediction of who wins each game and I'm gonna talk a little bit about each game. 
Let's first talk about the game that on Saturday you have the Browns at Houston. The Browns are eleven and six. The Houston Texans are ten and seven. I talked about last episode how C.J. Stroud can win this game, and how how <laughs> how the Texans are here, and how they're not supposed to get here. When we talk about the youth of the Texans, when we talk about the youth of the coach, when we talk about the youth of the quarterback. The Texans are not supposed to be here. And you look at just how bad the Texans looked last year. They're not supposed to be here. But that's that shows you the importance of the right quarterback and the importance of the right coach and and the importance of free agency and draft moves. Getting Will Anderson was a huge get for them. Each team, obviously has issues there's not a team that's that's perfect there's team that are better than others don't get me wrong but there's there's not a perfect team but this texans team they they don't know what they don't know i know that's a cop out and i know that's kind of crazy to say especially in the playoffs but i think that's an advantage for them they don't know what they don't know. You don't know you're supposed to be underdogs. You don't know you're not supposed to be this good your first season. C.J. Stroud doesn't know he's not supposed to be a top five quarterback in the league your first season. So they're going in not having any knowledge of where they're supposed to be. They're, they just are where they are. And I think that that's an advantage. I think that you're going to play a lot looser. You're going to play, and I don't mean loose in a bad way, but you're going to play a lot better. You're going to play a lot harder because you think in your mind that you're supposed to win this game, which obviously it's just the playoffs. Like, I'm not saying you can't win. And there's, 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 it's like you're not looking at saying, oh, well, we don't really have top tier wide receiver play, uh, especially with Tank Dell being out. But, you're still getting it done with Noah Brown and Nico Collins if they both play. So the Texans definitely have a good case to win. And for the Browns, the Browns have arguably the best defense in football. Statistically, I know you can probably say the Ravens, but right up there with the Ravens is the Browns. They have been dominant defensively majority, if not all of this year. And, their defense being as good as it is has also elevated how good not only Joe Flacco has been, but also elevated the fact of we forget there's a lot of things that have been overlooked with this Cleveland Browns team. One of them is being their turnover rate. They turn the ball. Joe Flacco, since he's been since he came back, I think it was week 11, I believe. The Browns lead the league in, in, in turnovers. Joe Flacco be don't get me wrong, he be he he's well he's good. He throws the ball all over the place, but a lot of the time it goes to the other team. Now Joe Flacco again does have a bunch of three hundred plus games, three hundred fifty plus games, yards games, but that is an issue. Now who wins this game? The only way I can see, because with Tank Dell being out, that's huge. And some some there are some key injuries for the Houston Texans. 
And the Houston Texans are not supposed to win this game. They're just not. But I will say this. There are things that are trends. There are things that are just think like once, once in a, you know, things that are constants. And it's, it's naive for me to think that the Browns are, are, or, and Joe Flacco is going to instantly stop turning the ball over. And C.J. Stroud has been, again, one of the best quarterbacks in the league since he's this entire year. So I think this is an upset, obviously, but I, I have the Texans beating the Browns. I think if the if the offensive line can give C.J. Stroud some time and the receivers can get open, I think that they're going to have more opportunities because of the turnovers that Joe Flacco has. Now, I know that this is probably going against the grain because I think the betters and the money line or whatever it is has the Browns winning, but I have the, I have the Texans winning. I just think the way C.J. Stroud's been playing, it's it's been incredible. So I have the Texans beating the Browns. Dolphins at Chiefs. Um, let, let me give you some factors of this game. Tua struggles. Tua has struggled. Tua and the Dolphins have struggled uh, mightily against winning teams. They've struggled. Tua himself has struggled in cold weather. And they've struggled on the road. Not saying that they're terrible, but they do struggle on the road or they're not as dominant on the road than they are at home. That's pretty much with every team, but definitely with the with the Dolphins. Well, this game is going to be one of the coldest games in NFL history. I think it's like the wind chill is going to feel like negative 27 or something. There is a wind gust of 30 miles an hour, and Tua does have an accuracy problem at times. We'll add 30 mile an hour winds. And there's a bevy of injuries on this team. We, I'm sure Raheem Morster or Raheem Morster and uh, Jalen Waddle probably will play, but to what extent? And of course, you don't have Nick Chubb, you don't have Jalen Phillips. I and you're playing an Arrowhead. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong; the the Chiefs have not been the Chiefs this year. They have not been as dominant as we expect, and we're used to seeing the Chiefs, but. I think when you look at all the factors of this game, whether we talk about the playing outside, whether we talk about Arrowhead, whether we talk about the, the cold, I think it's a tall task for the Dolphins and a tall, tall task for Tua. So I have the Chiefs winning this game. I just think the Chiefs are... No one wants to play in the cold, don't get me wrong, but the Chiefs are... More, the Chiefs are more built to play in the cold over the Dolphins. And Patrick Mahomes has been better in the cold than Tua. So I'm going to go the Chiefs. You have the Steelers at Bills. Now, you would think to yourself, okay, well, it's the Bills. The, and, the, and the Steelers with Mason Rudolph. Like, it should be a, it should be a game. Like, it, it shouldn't be a game. Well... 
as we've seen with the Bills, they do tend to struggle at times. They do tend to struggle with teams that they probably shouldn't struggle with. Now, I will say that the Bills, when you look at their record-wise, they are one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs, seeing as I think they won five straight games. But a lot of those games were closed games because of the mistakes from Josh Allen. Now, I don't think those mistakes will come back and bite them this game. But I do think that if he doesn't clean it up, which we have not seen Josh Allen be able to in his career outside of maybe one or two years, it's going to be a long or it's going to be a short playoff stint for him. But I do think that, you know, you have Mason Rudolph, TJ Watt's not playing. And I think if TJ Watt was playing, that would kind of make this look a little different. So with TJ Watt being out with the MCL sprain and Mason Rudolph, I am going to go with the Bills to win this. And the Bills are at home. I think the Bills are one of the scariest teams when everything is clicking. And I don't think with a depleted steel, well, with with your best player not playing and TJ Watt, I don't think the Steelers have much of a chance. Packers at Cowboys. Now, I did post a video saying, you know, apologizing to the Packers, apologizing to Jordan Love because I didn't see this coming. I didn't think they were going to have much of a, of a good year, honestly. But Jordan Love has been good. This Packers team has been good, and they find themselves in the playoffs against arguably the best, and arguably the best home team, one of the best offenses statistically in NFL history, and a team that you you kind of feel like is 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 due for something because they they've been playing well all year. Now, yes, they they kind of do feel the same way with the, the the you feel about the pack, about the Cowboys the same way you kind of feel about the Dolphins as they've struggled with winning teams and they've just destroyed that is the Cowboys they destroyed uh, losing teams or teams under five hundred. But the the thing that the reason why I think the Cowboys are going to destroy the the. Packers is because the Packers defense has been terrible. That they their def- their run defense hasn't been good. Their pass defense hasn't been good, meaning they have not had good defense and it's going to be a shootout. And I don't know if Jordan Love as good as he's been this year, let me let me not lose sight of that. I don't know if Jordan Love can keep up with Dak Prescott in this offense that is the Cowboys so I and you're at home and the Cowboys are undefeated at home. I have the Cowboys beating the Packers kind of handily, too, because that defense. Now, one of the most intriguing games and one of the more storyline driven games of the of the week is the Rams at Lions. Of course, you have Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit, a place where he pretty much cemented himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Then you have Jared Goff playing against his old team, the L.A. Rams. Both players, or Jared Goff, at, at led the Rams to a Super Bowl. They obviously didn't win that one, but you know, uh, this is in, this game is very challenging. This game was very. This was probably the toughest game to pick because I can honestly see both 
both outcomes happening. I can honestly see the Rams winning, and I can honestly see the Lions winning. The, the Rams are one of the, if not the hottest team coming into the playoffs. I know that you could say the Bills with their record, but I'm talking about not just the record, but how they're playing and how good they're playing. The Rams are... Matthew Stafford has cemented himself as one of the most accurate passers in the league. And what he's doing with this offense, with Williams at the running back, with Puka Nakua, with uh, Cooper Cup, that it's it's a tough thing to stop. Now, the one area that I, that they do struggle in is stopping the run. And even with Aaron Donald, the rest of the defensive line isn't the best at stopping the run. And when you have when you're going against Jameer Gibbs, when you're going against David Montgomery for the Lions, that can be problematic. Now we've also seen Jared Goff can give the other team some some advantages as far as interceptions. But if I'm Dan Campbell and I and I understand how bad the Rams Def or run defense can be. I'm there's no if ands or buts about it. I am running down their throat, and we'll see what happens. So, and the Lions are at home, Ooh, but you're playing in a dome. Hmm. The Lions have struggled. Now their defense has come around, but they do struggle with pass defense a little bit, and that is the bread and butter for the Rams. Now I will say that the Rams' offensive line isn't the best either. I'm going to go with the Lions. I think the Lions are going to win their first home game in or home playoff game in God knows how long. Uh, I think it's going to. That's probably going to be one of the best games of this of the weekend. But I'm going to go with the Lions. And then you have Monday Night Football. You have the Eagles at Buccaneers. And every flag, every sign is pointing to the Bucs. The Bucs are the healthier team. The Bucs are coming into the playoffs much better, like with, with more momentum. The Bucs quarterback, even though Baker Mayfield has issues, he's healthy. Everything in you, everything is screaming Bucks. When you look at the Eagles, they have been they have not been good for a while now. When we talk about the season, their defense has been terrible. They fired a defensive coach to get bringing back Patricia, and the defense has still been terrible because it's it's hard to learn a whole another defense halfway through the season. Jalen Hurts is hurt, and he came out and said he hasn't been throwing the ball because of his hand. That's problematic. A.J. Brown, we don't know his his status, if he's going to be able to go, but I think that they're, they're leaning to him playing. We don't know Devontae Smith's status. It Everything is screaming. Oh, and you're playing at the Bucks. Everything is screaming Bucks. And I'm picking the Eagles. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I know. I know. That's probably the crazy pick right now, picking the Eagles. I know. I just, I need to see that. 
Mm. I don't know. I need to. I don't know. I I need to see them lose, obviously, in the playoffs for, for me to. Because right now I'm I'm picking the Bucks. It's like my heart and head situation. My heart is picking the Eagles because one, I had the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, even though I don't think that's going to happen. I had the Eagles going to the Super Bowl in the beginning of the season, and. I know I've seen the Eagles just this year play up to snuff. I've seen them play and destroy the Vikings. I've seen them destroy teams. Like I've seen that. But with my heart or with my head, it's like, all right. I've also seen the Eagles lose very important games. I've seen the Eagles squander the number one seed. I've seen the Eagles get destroyed by teams. I've seen the Eagles lose to the Giants. Like it's a hard head situation. I'm going to pick the Eagles, even though everything in me and all the signs are saying or pointing to the Bucks. So I got the Eagles winning. Uh, I think this is going to be, I mean, there's game start today, obviously. I, I, this is going to be a very interesting playoffs. I am very nervous for my Super Bowl pick, but they are the number one seed. So we'll see. Um, but those are my wild card picks. Let me know what you guys think. And let me know who you're rooting for. You know, let's move over to basketball a little bit. I'm not going to stay on this long, but Kawhi Leonard was—he signed a or he got a three-year extension for 125 million dollars, I believe. Now, extensions and new contracts work very differently for people that don't understand. New contracts means it just comp- like you either finish out your your previous contract or it cancels out your previous contract and you get a new one. Usually that's what players do. That's why you see a lot of players try to hit free agency because they have the opportunity to get a new contract. And with a new contract, you make more money with a new contract than you do an extension. That's just that's just that's how contracts work. You make more money with a con in a in with an extension or no you make more money with a new contract than you make an extension so the fact that Kawhi Leonard got an ex- or did the extension instead of waiting into free agency means a couple things it means that he is committed to at least trying to win with this team I know it's not the popular thing to say right now, even though I don't know how this has become the case, but Kawhi Leonard is still one of the best players in basketball. Kawhi Leonard, I know he's not the mo I know he's not that marketable. I know that he's obviously isn't boisterous. I know that he isn't the most popular player as far as, you know, people want to mimic their game around but Kawhi Leonard is still when he's healthy now I do think that that's a part of it you know his health and everything but Kawhi Leonard is still one of the best players in basketball and this spells not only that they're you know the Clippers organization is trying to win with this group because this is the head domino you know this is the head honcho that if you see the head honcho taking less than what he's worth then someone like Paul George can't expect to get the max. Someone like James Harden can't expect to get the max when a player that is better than you pretty much and the best player on the team is taking pay cuts. And I don't I think that this 
this window, I don't I don't know if the Clippers are good enough to win a championship. I think they can with this group because of just the amount of firepower and the amount of you know, with with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's defense, that definitely helps. But this window, they think that this window is still open with Kawhi Leonard. And they are going into a new arena as well. You want a star to go into a new arena. You don't want to go into a new arena and with a rebuilding team because you're losing money at that point. So this is interesting. Again, shouts out to Kawhi for getting the three-year extension. But this is interesting. Now I'm interested to see what they do with Paul George because recent reports are saying that Paul George is trying to get a max extension or a max contract. Uh, it, again, it's kind of hard to see Paul George get a max. And you're looking at Kawhi Leonard, who people value more than Paul George, taking less. Or James Harden, because I know he came there you know, forced to trade from Philly, I guess, expecting to get a new contract. But now what do you do? Uh, yeah, then, man, this is going to be interesting. But shout out to Kawhi Leonard. I think well-deserved. Uh, again, he is the f- face of the Clippers, one of the best players, if not the best, one of the best players in basketball, the best player on the Clippers. And this, this I understand why it was very important for the Clippers to get this done with him in particular because he is the he is the 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 top of the top of the mountain and then everything trickles down to the top of the mountain's doing something you can't you can't expect the the bottom to to get more or to get the same amount type deal than him so i'm i'm interested to see i'm interested to see but shouts out to Kawhi Leonard uh and lastly before we go no unpopular topic of the day just Congratulations and shouts out to Eric Spolstra for getting the largest extension for a coach in NFL history. I mean, NBA history. I'm sorry. Eight years, one hundred and twenty million dollars. Eric Spolstra is when we talk about we've this has been pretty much the coaches episode. We talked about Nick Saban. We talked about Bill Belichick. We talked about uh, Pete Carroll. Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in NBA history. There's no if, ands, or doubts about that. Eric Spolstra has been to six NBA Finals, two or four with LeBron James and D-Wade on this team, and two with Jimmy Butler. Now, obviously, he's only won two, but he's been to six. And when we talk about the Heat culture, I I understand it's kind of like a – sometimes it's a running joke at this point, but one thing that I can say about the Heat, and one (laughs) – you can every season you look at this Heat team and you think Heat's. You look at the Heat team and you think to yourself, there's no way that this team can compete. You only got Jimmy Butler, Bam, and and just a couple role players. There's no way. And every single year, I'm not saying they're in the playoffs, but they have they're making noise either in the play-in or the playoffs. Again, Eric Spoelstra has been to six NBA championships. That that. That's not something to scoff at. Two-time NBA champion, two-time All-Star Game uh, head coach, co-coach of the year, and top 12 coaches of, in NBA history. Like, Eric Spolster is him. And you can also tell how good somebody is by, again, moves after, reactions after. There's not one person that I saw say, damn, 
Eric Spolster ain't worth none of it. Like, Eric Spolster's not worth that much. Jesus Christ. Everyone from LeBron James, D. Wade, to all his former players, even players that aren't his former players, are congratulating and shouting out Eric Spolster because they understand how important not only he is to basketball, but how important he is to the culture and to sports and how he is one of the greatest coaches of in, in NBA history. So shouts out to Eric Spostra signing the richest extension in for a coach in NBA history. Well-deserved. And there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. This is playoff, uh, playoff weekend wild card weekend let me know who you guys are going for let me know if my if you think my takes are terrible which i'm sure you will <laughs> uh please if you want unpopular podcast merch get unpopular podcast shirt hoodie sweater long sleeve joggers the link in the description below i have multiple different colors multiple different designs get your unpopular podcast merch today also please subscribe to the youtube channel i see a, a lot more people are are subscribing and, and i appreciate it i truly truly do it it's a great great feeling seeing that people are you know joining in and caring about what i say enough to subscribe it means a lot uh tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe i <laughs> I new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday, so the visuals are on YouTube, and I also do clips. I do reels. Subscribe. Also, please I know I understand that I have YouTube followers, and I understand that I have DSP listeners, people that just listen to me. Subscribe to whoever you're listening, whether that's Apple Podcasts, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Pandora, whether that's SoundCloud. It, your, you listening to me means the world to me. And I don't think that you're less than somebody else. I don't think that you're less than my YouTube audience. So it definitely means a lot. Please subscribe. It means so, so much to me. And I appreciate you guys for listening, for watching, both of you guys. Um... Also, follow the socials, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily um, I, with reels, with stories, with comments. If that's probably the fastest way to get a reaction or get a response out of me is social media. I will say keep it respectful if you don't agree. I understand people don't agree with everything I say. That's cool. Just keep it respectful and we'll talk. Uh, and until next time, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. And until next time, much love.